Oda, 30 feet away. Jumper in the air. He's got it! Lamar Odom has won it for Rhode Island! In traffic, off-balance shot. Thank you! Jared Terrell in Rhode Island has done it in the final five seconds on a circus shot from Jared Terrell. A career-high night for him and a victory for Rhode Island. Look it up, Dutton. Run out, Rowdy, look out! Oh, steal by Vance Russell off of Young. Three. Don't do it to him like that, Vance. Dribbles into the forecourt. Iverson going up. He ducks it home as the buzzer sounds. And Rowdy, the 8-10 champs. That's right. It's time for another episode of Rowdy Baseline, episode 11. And less than one week away from the A-10 tournament. I'm Gary, joined as always by my co-host Andrew. And Andrew, it's crazy to think that we're we're now less than one week away from the Atlantic 10 tournament. Uh, yeah, it's hard to believe. And like you said, I think a lot of people are impressed that we actually got here. I don't think a lot of people thought we were actually going to get to the conference tournament time, the NCAA tournament time. March Madness is just... Oh, Four more days, Gary, and it's March, and it's the greatest month in college sports. In my personal opinion, the greatest month in all of sports, but still got some work to do before we can sit back on the couch and just rel- I watch basketball all day. Nothing like rolling out of bed at 11.30 and rolling back into bed after 12 hours of basketball at midnight. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, unlike last year where March Madness was canceled, we, we have a shot this year of actually getting to that point. But don't forget, make sure to follow us, facebook.com slash Rody Baseline on Twitter at Rody Baseline. And also make sure you subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star rating, uh, as you guys have done all year throughout uh, the year on this Rody Baseline podcast, which is awesome. Uh, but yes, less than a week left until the A-10 tournament in URI, only with one game left in their schedule. Uh, but we have a game to talk about from last week. So this game happened on Sunday, URI uh, traveling to George Washington for a game against the George Washington Colonials. And obviously myself, Andrew, and if you, you caught us chatting with Rory Rampage on our Twitter on Saturday. If you haven't checked that out, it is at the top of our Twitter page. Uh, URI had a chance to take on this George Washington team that has been on a pause for 35 days. And I I don't have any words, right? I, we've said this so many times throughout the year that the win against Dayton was going to be a turn to the page, Andrew. And uh, that's not what happened here. Like the old saying is, two steps forward. One step back, and that step that your eye took was one giant step. But, but like, so you got to give credit to George Washington first, though. Coming back 35 after a 35 day layoff, they only had seven scholarship players available to them for this game. But two players in particular shot the whites off the ball James Bishop and Jamison Battle. Like, they each had tw- they had 28 points and 26 points, respectively. I mean, I don't care who you are. You have two players who score that amount of points. Odds are you're going to win. But you but I, you or I play, didn't play awful. They just couldn't get the stops when they needed to. And they were down two at the half. And then George Washington just was hitting shots and... URI did. There were numerous times in the game where it looked like URI was about to take 
take over that game and and push it. They got leads, but they just stopped hitting shots. And that's been URI's Achilles heel this year. Even the turnover number. The turnovers numbers weren't that bad this, this game. They only had 10 turnovers the entire game. That's that's pretty good. Um, I mean, I think the biggest issue is the fact that the rotation issues became an issue again. And that's another reason why that, that statement that I said, one step forward, two steps backwards, plays again. Why all the, like, it just, it doesn't make sense to me why DJ Johnson, Alan Bertrand only play seven minutes, Jalen Carey gets minutes again. Like, I I hate to say it, but does Dave Cox not have a set of balls on him that he's not going to stick to his rotation changes? Like, I don't know. It's a little disheartening to see that he goes, so, he went back so fast on his rotation changes that we knew worked. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And, and I mean, obviously, I don't want to discredit George Washington here, right? So, I, obviously, James Bishop, 9 of 14 shooting with 28 points. Jamison Battle, 26 points, 9 of 15 from the field, right? And they combined for seven three-pointers. Those guys came to play. Like, there, there's nothing you can do if these guys are – they came to play. They, they're they shooting the lights off. There's nothing you can do. But if you or I would hit their shots – they would have been fine. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, uh, we if you saw on our Twitter, uh, Fats Russell was on his way to a triple-double. Uh, he just missed it. He had 14 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds. If he would have gotten that triple-double, he would have been the second player in URI history to get a triple-double, which is crazy to think because you see triple-doubles in the NBA on the regular, but in reality, in the college game, you just don't see him. So that's what made even getting the double-double with assists and points – is still special. I think they said the the program record for assists in a game is 13. Russell Westbrook gets 13 on the regular. It's just what Fats Russell did on Saturday gets outshined in the loss, but that was one special performance, and fans, you need to enjoy him while we have him for these last few games here. But unfortunately, obviously, with that, uh, URI isn't able to capitalize. Towards the end of the game, they couldn't hit a shot in. Uh, you know, obviously also uh, Ishmael Leggett commits a foul towards the end of the game to, to seal the deal. Uh, a, a rough foul for a rookie, as I would say. But yeah, it, it just doesn't work for URI. They end up losing to George Washington 78-70 to uh, in Washington, D.C. And, and another loss to the schedule, URI being 10-13 and 13, uh, in total and 7-9 and nine in conference play. Uh, and now we'll have a tough time hitting the 500 mark just disheartening yeah it was just disheartening but like obviously URI didn't play very well <clears throat> they shot 31 percent overall from three-point range in the game 45 percent overall from the field but it, i don't it was mainly on the defensive side of the ball you still had four guys scoring double figures you had the you had 15 assists in the game you 32 rebound i think the big story of the game was on the boards, how URI got out-rebounded. Everybody was projecting that URI was going to out-rebound George Washington and handily, and which kind of surprised me. And it just it goes back to the rotation. These DJ Johnson only getting three minutes does not make sense. If you're not gonna, if you're only gonna, if you're gonna play them, play them for the the twenty minutes you're gonna play them. Don't play them for three minutes. It throws everybody out of their funk. And that was that. But I don't know. It's just. It was just it was just a disheartening loss, all the progress that they made, and it was just it seemed all lost. And I don't know I don't know where to go. I think I'm in the mentality of giving giving Fats the Laker treatment every possession. Just give Fats the ball, let him break some records these last two games, and 
chop it up for the next year. Like, I don't know. There's nothing you can do really now anymore. It's 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 just sad. I saw on Twitter, URI has the chance to be one of the most talented bottom four teams in the conference, and it's true. URI could be playing on Wednesday night, guys, and they should not be playing there on Wednesday night. And I just want to go over, obviously, uh, with uh, David Cox. Cox called it a gut-wrenching loss, and then he said we hadn't seen them play a game in a month. We had no idea what they were going to run. They kind of wore us out with a stagger and hammer play. We hadn't seen that action all year. Um, and just obviously having just a tough time. But, I, but again, it, 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 we don't know what to say regarding – I just think that – That's not an excuse in my opinion. Like, they had 35 days off. They should have been gassed. You should have been pushing the ball the entire game. <clears throat> excuse me. It's just – you had an excuse. You had thirty. They had thirty-five days between games. They probably only had two practices, and they come out and manhandle you on defense. They outscore you. You didn't make any adjustments in the game defensively. You had all your scholarship players. They only had seven. It just looks like he was trying to dump the blame off on somebody else, and it's getting a little annoying. And my personal opinion is that there's no excuse to lose this game. George Washington came play came ready to play. Their coach prepared them. David Cox didn't prepare his team. And quite frankly, the players tried their hardest, in my opinion. I just, I don't know. And another jumping off point, I think, Gary, is how much different, and this is, I don't, you really can't do anything about this, but this game, this game was scheduled about a month ago and was supposed to be at the University of Rhode Island. How much different do we think this game would have been if it should have been the home game like URI was supposed to have? Why then? And that's and that's the thing I want to hear from the league office, which we never will. Why was this game moved down to George Washington? There's nothing going on in the Ryan Center on Sunday. Why did George Washington get the home game and you or I didn't? It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I want to leave this with uh, a quote from our buddy Rotary Rampage. The tweet says, "I'm going to remove quote unquote. They can really build on this win from my vocabulary, and I couldn't have said it any better." Uh, this. Oh, absolutely. This, this, absolutely. this team, I don't know what what they can do, but yes, George Washington does get the win 78-70 to 70, uh, in Washington, and obviously you are right, 10-13, 7-9 in Athletic 10 play. But with that, it is now time for the news around the A-10. What do we got, Andrew? Your Rookie of the Week is Jordan Hall from St. Joseph's University. And your Player of the Week is George Mason's sophomore, Josh Oderu. We're going to jump into the women's game for a second because that's right. Catherine Karens of your rodeo women's basketball team is the Rookie of the Week in the women's game. There's been some serious talk about her being not only Rookie of the Year in the A-10, but also the sixth woman of the year out of the A-10. So that's pretty big for her. Um, there is some breaking news related to Rhodey. Uh, so we want to send our best wishes out to Hassan Martin, who is recovering from a knee injury with his team over in Greece. So we'll keep you posted on how he's doing. You can check us out on the Twitter with that. Um, we also want to mention that we don't know the specifics as to why yet, but the UMass Minute Women basketball team is going to be playing their next two games at the Ryan Center at the University of Rhode Island. So keep your eyes on that. And now we move into our bubble watch. Ooh. As of right, this is all. We go. We do our bubble watch with Joe Lodari because that's the only one that really matters, in my opinion. 
He has St. Bonaventure as the automatic qualifier for the A-10. He has last four buys with VCU. And in the first four out is Richmond. And in the next four out is St. Louis. He also has UConn in the first four out, for those who care about them. And Providence is no longer on the bubble, like same as last week. And Bryant is back from their pause. But as of this recording, they still have not gained um, Joe Lenardi's trust to be back in the bracket. But they did look very well over the weekend against Merrimack, sweeping Merrimack. So awesome for having them back. And our only program that is still on a COVID pause is the Fordham Rams. Everybody else is back and playing, which is great going into the conference play. Hopefully Fordham can get back, but nobody has heard anything from Fordham yet. And uh, with that bubble watch, I also want to want to mention some scores that happened. Uh, obviously, the last couple of days, this episode coming out on Friday. Uh, so uh, VCU was able to beat St. Louis 67-65 on Tuesday. Uh, that's a huge upset, right? That was without controversy, though, at the end of yeah. that game. But that's besides the yep. point. Uh, and obviously, you want to watch that. It's all over Twitter. Uh, but I think that the foul, if it was blown on time, would have been that. But that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Uh, also, Duquesne, who is URI's next opponent, lost to LaSalle. Uh, but St. Joe's did beat Dayton 97-84 on Wednesday. Uh, another huge defeat, and the Bonnies were able to beat Davidson. So they should be still keeping up with that, uh, with keeping up with the bubble on there. So uh, as John Rostin loves to say, uh, the A-10 is cannibalizing themselves. But, you know, obviously Dayton is, is having some trouble. So they lost to us and now St. Joe's. And... As we go with our finishing up with the bubble watch and the news around the A-10, the number one seeds have remained on change with Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Ohio State, even after Ohio State did lose to Michigan over the weekend in a great game. But there was a change on the two-seed line as Iowa has taken the two-seed from Houston after Houston lost last week. And your other two seeds are Illinois and Villanova and Alabama. But other than that, your and where is your last four teams in are Indiana, Xavier, Minnesota, and Colorado State. But keep in keep in mind, there's still a lot of time between now and Selection Sunday on March 14th. But as of right now, the bracket looks good. There's a lot of there's a lot of teams in Western Kentucky. We played them. They're still in the, they're still in the bracket. Seton Hall is struggling to stay in the bracket after a few losses. But there's a lot of good teams that could make some noise in the A-10 so or in the tournament come March and there's a lot of lot of lot of basketball left to be played exactly so that is your news around the A-10 now obviously URI only does have one game left so we do are going to get into the game preview but we're going to introduce a new segment to this week's show uh, something that myself and Andrew have kind of kept you know, under wraps for a couple weeks now with something that we've had uh, pre-planned. Uh, so, Andrew, why don't you tell them a little bit about it? Oh, yeah. So, as we're getting ready to the towards the end of the year, I mean, we're sad and we're just we've been come, trying to come up with some cool things to do with you guys. And one of the things we said was that we wanted to do was talk about some rule changes that we'd like to see in the uh, in the college basketball game. I know. The NIT experiments with rule changes every year when they have the tournament, and it's given some good, some good feedback to the team. And I know the women's game has changed a lot, so there's a few rules that Gary and I were going to talk about that we'd like to change. And 
I know probably they probably won't happen, but I would like to see some of them happen. And yeah, we're just gonna jump right on into it, right, Gare? Yeah. I, I what what do we got for rules that that we think we should change, Andrew? Let, let's get into that. All right, I think well, the first one I really want to change, which I don't see happening because of the financial aspects. I would like to see them go to the quarters, go to quarters like in a women's game. I think the it just adds more excitement to the game. You have more chances at buzzer beaters. More strate- more strategy playing at the end of the at the game at the end of the quarters. I just I don't think I think that's going to be a hard one to do because of the TVs and all that stuff. But the women seem to have done it pretty well so far, so that's pretty good. Um, another rule that I really think needs there's a couple there's this rule plays off of the changing it to quarters and that is getting rid of the one and one seven foul thing i think if you model your foul thing you're fouling after the nba that'll make the game a lot more interesting because the nba doesn't do a one-on-one they do once they get i think it's once they get to five fouls in the quarter and after the first one in the last two minutes of each quarter they automatically get two free throws so that could change how the game is played which would make things very very more interesting so the next rule that I really want to touch upon, Garrett, and you can give me some input on it if you agree with it or not, is amending the 10-second rule. So for those who don't really know, the 10-second rule is you have 10 seconds to get the ball over half court. I think, so right now you call a timeout. If you're at like eight seconds and you're not going to get the ball over, you call a timeout, you get the 10 seconds reset. I think that needs to... And they need to amend the rule where if you call timeout with eight seconds left, you only have two seconds left to get the ball over, which, in my opinion, is good because you want to reward defense. Right, Gary? Yep, I agree. Because obviously, if a player can't get the ball across the, the half-court line, you call timeout, you get a fresh 10 seconds, you're not going to have to worry too much about it. But if you're calling a timeout, then the ball gets inbounded again. That, that two seconds could be critical for, for teams who are playing that full-court defense. So I, I definitely – like that one, I think that that should be changed. I think that it actually will help out the game and make it a little, you know, award teams who are are playing good defense and not just kind of giving the the easy way out for those other teams. Yeah, and it could bring the press back more because teams will think that they can get more turnovers, which could be great because it would liven up the game and increase scoring for all those betters out there. But, all right, so one other rule I think that could be a good one is adding a challenge. I know inside of two minutes you can review stuff, but the NBA adopted this rule and it's pretty. It's pretty. It's hasn't been too bad. You can challenge certain things like goaltending and all that stuff if a charge, if something was a charge or a block and stuff like that. I think that could be great because it could save a foul from when you need a foul from like one of your star players at the end of a game, which is pretty good in my opinion. Like that could have probably saved you or I a couple times this year. <laughs> Definitely. There's two left that I would like to see change, and I think these are the best, are probably the best two that you could see changing, and I'm shocked that they haven't been changed. Is one is the defensive three seconds. You have offensive three seconds in this in in uh, college basketball where a player can't be in the paint for more than three seconds. Defensively. There's no rule like that. You can just set up shop in the paint for, and you can put a, the tallest person there, and he just stands right in front of the hoop and blocks everything. <laughs> taco, just, taco fall. Just saying. Yeah, a lot taco fall. I think, I think, 
if you can get rid of that rule where you have to, it would open up the lane so much more, get more points up. It would require more strategy on the coach's part, recruiting harder big men. And just, I think it would, it makes too much sense. And it's, it's not, it's almost like puppy guarding on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. And it's not fair if an offensive player can't be there, but a defensive player can be there the whole time, in my opinion. And I just, I w- I'm shocked that the college game hasn't done it. If they're all about trying to transfer these kids to get them ready for professional ball where these rules are, I'm surprised that's not one of them. Definitely. And uh, obviously the uh, the last rule that we, we want to bring up is uh, advancing the ball. Right, Andrew? Oh, absolutely. I think this is the biggest one. The amount of times that a basket's made in the last second and the team calls a timeout and they still have to get the ball 94 feet, that's insane. Uh, the women do. The women did it this year. or Because I've this is the first year, I'll be honest, that I've started really watching women's basketball. And the women do it. They advance the ball after timeouts, and it's amazing. Gives your play. It gives you so many more options and more chances for those buzzer-beating shots, which is what makes the game so good. If you want to have some great memories and stuff, you're, the odds of hitting a half-court shot is ridiculous or getting one of those miracle passes up there, it's just ridiculous. You'd be better off not calling the timeout at that rate. But if you can advance the ball, you have so much more room to work with. You can you have more shot opportunity and gets back to scoring more points and putting more pressure on the defense, which I just... It just I'm all about the offense and putting pressure on the defense and stuff, and I think this is just another way to do it. Yeah, it just makes way too much sense. I that rule should be changed. I don't understand why men's college basketball does not do that. I'm just shocked at the lack of the coaches in the in the NCAA. They all talk about getting these players ready for the next level. If you're trying to get these players ready for the next level, why is there such a gap in in the rule discrepancy between the two leagues? I mean, I know there's certain stuff you can't do because of the size of the players and stuff, but rules like this are so easy to change, and I'm sure you can get coaches on board with that. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. So, obviously, as you know, these are our opinions. We're not part of the NCAA committee to make those decisions. Uh, but these are I definitely wish rule- we were because <laughs> the players would be getting paid. Yeah, exactly. But the these are, are rules that we would like to see. Uh, but with that, that gets us into our game preview. So URI has one lonely game left on their schedule. Uh, obviously, after the A-10 did go through and modify all the schedules, that game happening Saturday at Duquesne, live on ESPN+. Plus, uh, and obviously on B101 Radio, if you listen to that. Uh, but URI with one last game against Duquesne, against the... The Duquesne—I can't even pronounce it—the Duquesne Dukes of Duquesne. I almost—I almost called them something else, which was totally incorrect. But the Duquesne Dukes, and a team that URI has only seen once this year, uh, and a team that we were actually only supposed to play once, uh, and we actually have already played them away. Uh, but obviously, not—not—not not, not at their new arena, so to say. Yeah. That, before we get into the, the actual X's and O's of it, URI gets to play in the new arena this year, which is pretty exciting. But my my theory on the I've just this game just confuses me. Okay. I mean, the A10 moved the A10 tournament because they wanted to li- limit travel. Then they go and send the University of Rhode Island to one of the farthest teams in the conference. Like, don't get me like I'm glad that they. They, they they gave them a game and the St. Joe's game and all that stuff. But why didn't we send this? If we're going to play another team again, why aren't we playing UMass again? Why aren't we playing Fordham? Why aren't we going to Philly? Like, why are we going eight hours away 
with all this travel and stuff. It's just, it doesn't make sense. And nobody in the conference had to answer that question. I know I'm not the only one that had that question. Why are we going to Duquesne again? And secondly, why isn't Duquesne coming up here? I mean, it just, it feels like you or I got the short end of the stick about with the scheduling the last couple of weeks. It just, there's too many questions and not enough answers. But once again, I don't know, maybe they really just, I don't know. You or I just at that point where I don't think anybody really cares about the season. It's just it's just confusing to me. And like I said, just give Fats the ball. Give Fats and Jeremy, Jeremy Shepard the ball the rest of the season. Let them be the only two to touch the ball and break some records. Yeah, exactly. Duquesne is 7-8 and eight overall and 6-7 and seven, uh, in conference play. Uh, they've had a lot of their games postponed or canceled this year. Yes. <laughs> yeah. After... After the game against us, they lost to the Bonnies on that Saturday, and then they won a quick three-game lose winning streak, beating Fordham pretty handily, beating St. Joseph's pretty handily, beating Dayton, which is a good win, and then they had three, three or four of their next five games postponed against VCU, George Mason, Davidson, and UMass postponed, all because of COVID protocols with amongst those teams. And then they ended up, they lost to Richmond and LaSalle. So they're, they're struggling, trying to find their legs, just like every other team going into going into the A-10 tournament. So it, 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 it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a good game between two teams that are in desperate need of a win. Yeah, I mean, obviously this these two teams are, are fighting for, I don't want to say fighting for their lives, so to say, but they're they're just fighting for a higher seed in this in this A-10, this weird A-10 that, who knows where all these teams are going to end up? I mean, I know that URI on one side is looking to not have to play a horrible seed because they're dropping so much after losing to GW. And Duquesne's in the same position. Like, both teams need this win. Yeah, and it's just it's just, it's crazy to think, though, that both teams need this win, but they're both – if you look at the A-10 standings, it's just – I it you're – Duquesne six and seven. Your eyes played the most games in the conference that we we can all agree with, but the standings is it's it's ridiculous how you or I I it's just I don't know both teams desperately need this win, and they're in totally different aspects of the conference with the games that they've played. But I don't know. It's just Duquesne right now is is seventh in the conference. URI is. Tenth, so this could be a preview of the first round matchup. But in my opinion, it shouldn't be because there's teams ahead of URI. St. Louis has only played eight games. George Washington's only played six. UMass has played nine. URI has play is going to have played all seven. Have played seventeen of their conference games. No other team can say that. Which is which is crazy. Seventeen games. The right. next closest team to play conference games with us is Dayton with fifteen. Nobody else has played anywhere around us, and URI is going in danger of playing on Wednesday night. It just—I don't—it doesn't seem fair to me. But I get URI didn't have the strongest year, but they should at least be not having to play on Wednesday night. Yep, and obviously this Duquesne team is not an easy matchup for for the Rams. To be honest, obviously, I know that they lost the last two games, but but you don't even know what Duquesne team you're going to get because this team can can pull off. 
upsets. And I don't even know, we wouldn't even call the Uri game an upset at this point, but just this team can, can pull off a win when they need to, especially in their new arena. Like it, it, it's just, it's, it's rain. And you have no idea what URI team is going to show up. Are you, is it going to be a URI team that's embarrassed with how they played against George Washington? Is it going to be a team that's actually willing to fight and try and win a game? Like this, this game has the potential to be a dog fight and could very well decide who plays on Wednesday night and who doesn't play on Wednesday night. And you got to make sure you have to shut down Weathers. He he averages 15 points a game, 7 rebounds a game. I mean, that's that's the that's the team right there, Marcus Weathers. I mean, and they're not a very good free throw shooting team. They're I think they're one of the worst worst teams that shoot the that shoot the free throw. A couple of their starters shoot under 70%. They only have one guy who shoots over 80, two guys who shoot over 80% from the from the free throw stripe. So you got to win the game. You got to get to the free throw line like URI does. If you can get to the free throw line, I think that, and that was the issue in the second half of the game that we blew the big lead to them. We weren't getting to the free throw line like we were in the first half. So if URI can just play the first half, play play like they did in the first half against Duquesne last time, this should be a fun Saturday night for OD Nation. And, and I can only imagine for all you people who, who like taking bets, I would uh, avoid this game as much as you can. I can only imagine the spread's going to be probably two to three points maximum, and I don't think it's going to go ahead on one side unless a roadie team shows up that doesn't want to play. So I would, I would, I would avoid this game because it's going to be a, it's going to be a rough one. And I think that both teams are going to try to pull it out and it's going to be close. I know Andrew probably feels the same way that I think it's going to be a very, very close game between these two teams. It's either hit or miss. It could be a very close game or it could be a blowout. It all depends on which team show up. If the Duquesne team shows up that played in the second half against us, URI screwed. If URI shows up like they did against Dayton in that second half, it's Rhode Island could win. Or it could be a dogfight. It's just – it's. There's too many variables with both these teams struggling right now to figure out, to find their identities, how, what this game's going to be. It's definitely going to be an interesting watch and an interesting way to spend your Saturday night. I'm just, I'm just going to repeat the quote that I said earlier in the episode, Andrew. That's all I'm going to say. That quote is the truth. It's saying, I'm going to remove, they can really build on this win from my vocabulary because this team needs to show me that they can build on this win and prove to me that, that they can come out fighting against Duquesne because it's going to be it's going to be a really tough one for Rhode Island uh, that game happening Saturday night on ESPN plus uh, against Duquesne at Duquesne at the UPMC uh, Cooper Fieldhouse the brand new arena that Duquesne opened earlier this year and that URI has not played in yet say that one so, five times fast uh, yeah exactly so obviously we have that game coming up but we do have some super exciting news that we would love to share with you guys on roadie baseline this is only going to be on the episode you guys are going to know first if you're listening to this episode so feel very special about this and if you did listen to the episode and after this if you guys have any questions you want answered make sure you send us a dm we'll we'll ask them we're not afraid exactly so uh our episode next week is not going to release on friday the episode will be released on Wednesday at noon, uh, right before the right right before the tip of the first Atlantic Ten tournament game, and that episode will feature the Providence Journal's own Bill Koch. Bill Koch will be the guest next week on Roadie Baseline. Me and Andrew are super excited for this. Uh, we are super excited to talk to Bill. Bill has a lot of knowledge on Roadie basketball. He's been covering the team for a couple of years now. Uh, and obviously, we want you guys to 
uh, DM us any questions that you want us to ask Bill. Bill is more than willing to answer anything of Roadie Nation. Uh, and we are so excited to have Bill on Roadie Baseline next week, especially with the conference tournament looming. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking so forward to talking with Bill over the weekend, getting things ready, touching on a whole bunch of topics, and it's going to be interesting, especially from two guys who grew up in Rhode Island, seeing Bill Cotchworth for the Projo and covering high school sports. I know I saw Bill a few times when I was playing basketball in high school and getting the chance to talk to him and going for us is is kind of a big deal. But, yeah, it's going to be an interesting episode next week, eh? Yeah, I'm super excited. Bill Koch will be on episode 12 of Roadie Baseline. But with that, it is time to close out our episode with another Andrew's hot take. What do we got, Andrew? So my hot take this week, Gary, is don't close the door on Shepard Fats and a bunch of these other seniors not coming back across the country. I just I think with every with with the, I know it's not the basketball game but with the NCAA football video game coming on there's been some serious talk about the NCAA starting to let players get paid to play and sign endorsement deals and all that stuff. And Notre Dame said that they're not going to let they're not going to let the game be used let them be using the game until this whole thing about players being paid is worked out. So I think that if COVID is still an issue and the travel bans are in, are an issue by the time the deadline comes up where these players need to decide and the paying the players thing is all worked out, I could see these seniors coming back for one more year until COVID is completely gone and paying to get paid to use their images throughout the arenas and all this stuff. I know it's a long shot in it happening, but that's just, I think it, it could happen. Maybe not like the big stars, like the Fats and the maybe more so the Jeremy Shepherds and like the Grant Goldens of the world. But I think there's definitely a shot that these seniors could come back. If the travel bans and all that stuff from these preventing these players from going overseas. And if the NCA starts paying their players, I mean, obviously we, me and you and, and everybody understands that like Fats Russell's not going to come back. He probably will go overseas and figure it out, but you're talking about those other players that won't, you know, that may go to Europe and potentially could decide to just stay. I mean, obviously if, if you don't know by now, EA Sports has come to a deal to release a new version of NCAA football, which was a huge thing after the pandemic hit with people trying to buy older systems and the NCAA football game going for, I think, like $135 on eBay at the, at, at April or May. Andrew, didn't you buy a copy? Yeah, I took my I took my first unemployment check that I got, and I bought an Xbox 360, and I bought a... Bought the last college basketball game that was made and the last college football game that was made for the prices skyrocketed. And I did that for the entire quarantine. Oh, it was so much fun. I just hope that with the football game coming back, they bring the basketball game back and the players finally start getting paid. But it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the NCAA changes and handles all these things over the next couple of year, couple months. Because I'm sure Notre Dame is a big enough brand where the NCAA and the EA sports will work something out. So exactly. I think that it's going to make a, a, a big, big deal for that. But with that, that is the end of episode 11 of Rudy baseline. As we said before, URI has its final game happening Saturday night, 7 PM against Duquesne. That game can be found on ESPN plus. And obviously the Atlantic 10 tournament does start next week, March 3rd. Uh, I think game time has not been released yet. Potentially. I'm pretty sure it's at 11 AM for the first game. Uh, on March 
3rd. So don't forget that the A-10 tournament is happening next week and that we will have Bill Koch on Roadie Baseline next week. That episode releasing Wednesday right before the conference tournament begins. So please be on the lookout for that. We will chat with you guys next week. Have a great week. And as always, go Roadies. Go Roadies.